four questions about the end times. Now, no, we're not going to hit all four tonight. They're too big and too deep just to do that. And so we're going to break this first question up tonight into two parts, and we'll do it tonight and then next Wednesday. And the reason, there's a couple reasons I'm doing it. Number one, because I need to give you a lot of information up front so you understand where I'm going next week. Number two, I want you to post questions. Email me questions. Put it in the comments below and just say, hey, I don't get or I have a question. Some of them I might say, I'm covering that in week three. And some of them I might be like, man, that is great. Let me pull that out and answer that. Some of them, there might not be an answer, just being honest. The reason why I wanted to do that is because I've been so overwhelmed seeing people like will post things and be like, I saw this, I'm so scared. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, let me fact check that with the Bible. That's not true. You don't have to fear that. You don't have to get worked up about that because it's not true. And I think the devil, I don't think, I know the devil works off lies. He works off deception. He wants you to be fearful and confused. Let's not be fearful and let's not be confused. Let's have facts. And so I've seen things that people have posted in things in scripture that have been twisted, things that have been stretched. I don't want to do any of that. I, I want to come across simple. And you're thinking you're doing end times and revelation. There is no simple. I, I get that. I want to come across as simple as possible. And, and I just, some of these things we could go way deeper. And I know, and, and, and I mean, there might come a time for that. But I think God wants us to know these things for Christians to understand and this type of study should create an awareness, it should create urgency, it should create a burden. It, I, and I mean those things. Those things should be in our hearts and minds as we study these things. See, sin has the opposite effect. It makes us passive, apathetic. The Word of God in us should be like, wow, man, we should be fired up. We should, we should hear this and go, wow, this is happening, or this is going to happen. And, and it expands our faith in God. So let me give you some things leading up to it, and then I'm going to kind of give you an idea of where we're going with this. And so 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for, for that day shall not come except there come a great falling away first, and that the man of sin shall be revealed, the son of perdition. So it, it says that this day, these things are not going to come across uh, until uh, there's a great falling away. And, and I say that, well, what does the falling away look like? Well, think about it for Christians. It's a matter of we stop following, we stop listening, we become passive. Think about how much the Bible talks about that. And I, I approached some of these things the last couple of weeks on Sunday morning. Christians get cold, they get passive, there's no zeal, there, there's, there's lukewarm. Uh, the Bible talks about being um, um, apathy and things like that. And you think about how do you, how do you have the opposite of that? It's right here. We take the word of God, we dig into it, and man, this fires us up. Man, this stirs us up. Dang, you, want, you want to be fired up to serve and, and worship and give and do and all the things that we should be doing it from our hearts? Man, get into God's word. Do like we're doing tonight. And so I'm going to answer these four questions as we go through here, and I think it should be important for us. And I'm not going to give you all four questions because I don't want to overwhelm you as we do this. But I want to answer these questions in such ways that they help us. So there, there's a timeline of life. And so you've got to understand that a lot of things that we're talking about is I'm going to paint a timeline and we're going to talk about certain things that are going to happen in certain ways. And the Bible says in Isaiah 46, 9, it says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God, there is none like me. He says, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done. 
Think about what he's saying with that. God said, let me tell you who I am. I'm the master of time. I'm the inventor, the creator of time. He says, I am from the beginning and I'll be at the end. And he says, I declare the end from the beginning. And even with that said, it declares to us that some of the things that we're looking at tonight, there was a beginning and there will be an end. We know that with life and death. We know that from sin, that sin will be overcome and destroyed in these things. And so in Genesis and the fall of man, there is 4,000 years of history that goes from Genesis to the coming of Christ. Now, I know this, this is totally uh, contradicted when you come to world philosophy and culture and things. They don't look at it from, uh, from that. And then Jesus came and we have 33 years that he lived and he died on a cross and then he descended up into heaven, and, and then this is the church age, and we have the church age from Acts through the book of Jude. And from there, we see all these things that happen, the birth of the church and God's people and the mission and evangelism and the working of the Holy Spirit of God, all the promises, the equipping, the protection of God through this. And so then we get to, when we add all that up, it adds up to about 6,000 years, let me just throw this out there, just understanding at the beginning. If you take the timeline of the Bible, we have 6,000 years. And then you take out the fact that the very end of time when God ends everything that he's doing, he has a millennial reign, which is 1,000 years. What does that add up to? That adds up to 7,000 years. You got to think when God works in numbers in the Bible in seven days of creation and things like that, seven is the number of completion. Just to give you an idea of where we're at in culture and society, and when you say, I see a lot of things happening, even the Bible, when you add up the timeline of Scripture, adds up to these things. But then at the end of these things, we come to a subject that we call the end. End times, end of days, the day of the Lord, there's a lot of different ways that it's mentioned in Scripture, but the end. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we were doing our Sunday series, but Jesus was teaching in Matthew 24 and verse 3, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the signs of the coming and of the end of the world? Now, I'm going to tell you, when we study things like this, the world thinks we're crazy. You, you think of people that walk around with the sandwich signs, and, and they're, they're holding that sign that says, The end is near, and God's coming back, or, you know, gloom and doom, and it scares people. And we have that kind of mindset when it comes to these things like that. But the Bible is talking about last days. That's, that's exactly what he's talking about. Jesus is saying, I'm going to come back. Now, when we get into the last days, the confusion comes in between two things that we often talk about. That is the rapture, and that is the second coming of Christ. Now, the rapture, we have the description of the rapture is in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, when uh, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds. Which, that's what the rapture it means, the snatched up, to be caught up together in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And now that's important to understand and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So the rapture is the calling up of God's people to meet Jesus Christ in the air. That is why we don't call the rapture, the point of the rapture as the second coming, because the first time when Jesus came, he came to the earth as a baby. But this time the Bible is very clear that there's going to be a come a time that God calls us up to the air or God calls us up to meet him. And we're going to get into some more aspects of that as we get deeper into the subject. But then we have the second coming in Revelation 19, 11, at the end of the book of Revelation. And it says, And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse, and him that sat upon it was called faithful and true, and the righteousness he did judge and make war. 
And then that's where we have the Battle of Armageddon. But it's very clear, if you read through the rest of that chapter, in chapter 19, the Lord comes down here and it talks about this war that he wins with the words, with the sword in his mouth. And it's so powerful to understand that. And that is the second coming. So the rapture and the second coming are two different things. And so that's going to be a big thing that we also discuss with this. But then it also talks about the end of the world. And then it talks about not just the coming of Christ, but the end of the world. When shall be the signs of your coming and of the end of the world? The end of the world is when God judges sin. And the, the, the Bible talks about this, of God judging sin. Two illustrations that we have in the Bible when he talked about it was one of them was Noah. We grew up hearing those stories in, in Sunday school and things like that. But Noah, God used that as an illustration of society rejecting God in the fact that God provided a way of salvation and God flooded the earth. God poured out judgment upon the earth and destroyed the earth. The second illustration in the Bible is Sodom and Gomorrah, when God sent down fire from heaven and he destroyed them. Once again, sent in the messengers, uh, telling them that God's going to come and destroy this and to get out. And, and, and uh, Lot and his family had this de- big debate. Most of them didn't listen. But the both of them ends in the same way, that God pours out his judgment upon them. And the Bible is very clear at the end of the world, at the end of time, at the end of this life, God is going to do that again. We saw it with Sodom, we saw it with Noah, and God's going to do it again. God's going to pour out his judgment. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is where a lot of people are like, check out, just like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm good when you guys sit there and talk about God created everything, and we look at the rainbows and creations and say, wow, the, guy up, the big guy upstairs, man, there's, there's a great God, there's a big God. But when you start talking about pouring out judgment, when you start talking about God coming back and taking people out, that's when a lot of people start, start like, no, I don't want to hear that. That's just weird. But let me tell you, it's in the Bible. That's why Christians, we have to believe the whole Bible, not just, I don't want to go to hell. It's a matter of understanding all of this. During that time of God pouring out his wrath, at the end of time, during that time, it is called the tribulation period. It's a period of seven years that the Bible describes, and that's what the book of Revelation is. And in, the, and in those passages, he begins to explain how God's going to judge sin, how God's going to judge the earth during that time. And that judgment is poured out. And it'll be like nothing we've ever seen before. Now, I'm just going to give you some of the highlights because I, I want to use this kind of as an introduction. But let me explain something. The tribulation period is like nothing we've ever seen. And I think Satan, as we read what I'm about to explain as some of these highlights, this is what Satan loves to do is he tries to give us these things and be like, that's, that's not a big deal and that shouldn't scare you because in our society we have so many horror movies and we have so many scary this and this uh, that, that we do and they're constantly trying to scare people with this kind of stuff. And, and it's, it, I kind of think that it calluses our minds. But the Bible talks about during those seven years that there's going to be different judgments. The Bible talks about these seal judgments. They're, these seals are broken open and they read these, these, uh, these uh, things that they're going to happen during that time. Trumpet judgments where one by one the angel's going to blow the trumpet and something's going to happen on the earth. And then the Bible talks about these bold judgments or these vile judgments that are going to happen. And those are more of the intense ones that happen in the end where God literally, in a symbolic way, pours out wrath upon the world. And these seven years are going to entail war and famines, earthquake and darkness upon the earth. It's going to rise up the Antichrist. The Antichrist is going to be extreme deception that's going to happen during the time. 
one world government, one world currency that's going to happen. The Bible says mankind is going to be forced to take the mark of the beast, literally being forced to take this mark in their forehead in the back of their hand. And we have that in the middle of the book of Revelation. And in the middle of that, the Bible says that they can't buy or sell and things are going to get more intense. The Bible talks about fire being poured down from heaven. The Bible says that portions of the sea at this point will be turned into blood. The Bible says that the water supply of mankind will be scarce. During this time, the Bible says that there'll be creatures loosed upon the earth that, that, that are described as like locusts being coming upon the earth, but they're described as more like scorpions that are going to come and they have like tails that come out and sting people and like demonic activity, like in a horror film, but only this is going to be real life. You say, that's terrible. No, this is just the beginning. And then in Revelation, it explains that things begin to get bad. Mankind as a whole becomes, begins to have sores that break out on them, that they will cry out wishing that they could die. The Bible says that the rest of the seas will be turned into blood and all, everything that is in the seas is going to begin to die. And all of a sudden, there's decay and death everywhere. Everything begins to stink and rot and death and bodies and all this stuff happens upon the earth. The Bible says that the rest of the waters are turned into blood. The Bible says that the sun gets so hot that it begins to scorch people and they can't even go outside. And then it goes to the other extreme where there's no light whatsoever. And it's like God turned off the light on society. And all these things are symbolic of the fact that God is the light of the world, that God is the giver of life. And everything that we take for granted and everything that man ignores, it's like taken away from them during that time. Then the Bible says that there's hailstones and great earthquakes that come upon man, come upon the earth. And then the battle of Armageddon, and the Bible describes all of this as the tribulation period. Now, if we read through this, and we describe this, it should, it should give us chills. For believers and Christians, this should bother us. And the fact that it's in the Bible, it's, there's a, it's in there for a reason. And I think one of the reasons is so that people will know that people that we love and care for are going to face this. That should bother us. The other aspect of it is that Christians should know these things because it's in the Bible. We should know these things so that it stirs us up. It honestly should, it should motivate us of knowing, not, not out of fear, but knowing that we do things and our labor is not in vain of serving the Lord. In Revelation, when it starts off the book, I don't know how many people realize this, but it says in Revelation 1.3, Blessed is he that readeth and they which hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. Think about what he says in that. He says he wants us to know this and understand it. And he said, blessed are they that read it. And a lot of times I think for us in Christians, we sit there when it comes to the book of Revelation, we want to talk about the joy of the Lord and the blessings and let's read through Psalms. And man, this makes me feel good. And God is great and the faithfulness of God and the names of God. And then we get to that last book and it's like, ah, no, uh-uh. I, I just don't even deal with Revelation I don't even get into those things. That stuff scares me to death. It bothers me. And the Bible says, hey, hey, wait a minute. I need, I need my church to pick it up. And the opening of it, he says, blessed are you. Literally mean goodness comes upon you. And you say, how could there any be good in that? Maybe it should be to stir up the church so that when you see these happening or things happening around us, we have an understanding that, wow, man, all this stuff is coming true. God was telling us these things are important. Second Thessalonians 2, 1, it says, Now I, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that, that you be uh, 
not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. And I think about what he's saying to believers. Don't be shaken. Don't be disturbed. You know, think about what, what message he's saying. He said, I want my people. He said, I want you to know this. Read the letter. Understand what I'm saying. But man, you shouldn't walk through life saying, man, I don't like the book of Revelation. I don't like that stuff. It just scares me to death. It says that. 1 Timothy 4.1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, talking about the latter days or the last days, that some shall depart from the faith, given heed to seducing spirits and the doctrines of devils. There's going to come a time where literally the church says, you know what, I'm not dealing with that. And you know what, I think this is all a hoax. And it scares me, even as we see big pastors and Christian leaders and, and uh, Christian music artists and people like that that are standing up and saying, you know what, I just don't know if any of this is true. You talk about deception. You talk about evil, unaware that's happening around us that are pulling people away. It's happening. And you say, why are you doing this right now? Because of what Paul told Timothy later in that same passage, in that same chapter, in verse 11, he says, these things command and teach. I don't have a choice. What I'm doing right now, and some people just be like, I just, I avoided this because I didn't want to hear this stuff. God told us, I asked you, I asked Christians, I asked believers, give these things out and teach them. Call attention to these things. It's not just the good things in life that we love to talk about with God, but answering the question, what's next? What is our role in what's next? What's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to other people? Are we aware of these things? So here's the first question, and this is one that I want to answer. This is something that I've heard debated my entire life. Will Christians go through the tribulation period? And that's the question. Will Christians go through the tribulation period? Now, a lot of you have grown up and you're like, I've been around this my whole life, and I've taught this very clear. Christians are not going through that. We're going to be caught up in the rapture, and that's not going to happen. Then I'm going to ask you the question, have you ever looked at the other side for the people that sit there and don't believe that? And I'm going to give this to you in this way because of the fact is that there are some of these that you're going to read these verses, and all of a sudden you're going to be like, oh, wait, oh, wow. Maybe that does lean towards some of these things, and I'm not saying that they do, but I'm saying... There's a lot of things. It's that fact-checking that I was talking about at the beginning. And as we're going through this, I want to hear from you and say, hey, wait a minute, I can't, I can't buy into what you're saying, Pastor Tony, because of this verse, or I've always heard this, and you want to know, I want to give you answers. So these are such big topics that maybe we won't cover all these things or cover this. And sometimes people just take this from 2 Timothy 3.1, because the Bible says to Christians, this also know that in the last days, perilous, difficult times are going to come. So they take that to say, oh, wow. So we are going through the tribulation period because the Bible already warned us that difficult times are going to come. So we need to explain this. Does this difficult time mean that the church is going through this? Does it mean the tribulation period? Are we going to be like the children of Israel when God began to pour out um, the plagues on the children, uh, on the people of Egypt? And we see that, and all of a sudden, they went through some of that at the beginning of it. And we're thinking, man, we'll be, we be the same part of that. Let me explain for everybody, just so you have an understanding of this. There's three views that people take when it comes to this in the Bible. And maybe this is brand new to some of you, and some of you, you've heard this for years. Number one is the pre-tribulation view. And that is the one that most Christians uh, adhere to. 
And there's a lot of people that are diehard against that. And that is the fact that there's the 6,000 years that go on, the birth of Jesus Christ, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ, the church age. And then we come to the point in life that God takes the Christians out, which is called the rapture. We're called up out. That's the evacuation that we've talked about a couple weeks ago on Sunday morning. Seven years of tribulation, they come in where God pours out his wrath on there. And then the battle of Armageddon, and then comes the second coming. And so there's that view, the pre-tribulation, meaning that God comes back before for his saints before then. The second one is mid-tribulation. The seven years of tribulation is, is split into three and a half. It has a, it has a middle mark to it. And some people will take of that in the scripture and point out some scriptures and say, hey, look at I do believe that when the Bible says that we're going to go through difficult times, it's because we're going to go through part of that. And then the second part of that that we're going to go through at the middle of it, God calls us home at the end or at the middle of that. And then the great tribulation happens. So we do go through difficult times, but we don't go through all of it. Then the third one is the post-tribulation. Outside of pre-trib, this one is the most popular. And that is the fact that the Bible, people say the Bible never says one time, Christians will not go through the tribulation period. And there are a lot of people, and I'm sure some of you are sitting there saying, hey, I believe that. And I've had people say before and say, Pastor Tony, I wish I could believe like you do, that Christians are not going to go through, but I've seen too much. Man, if that is you, comment right now and say, hey, what about this point or this passage? Give it to me. I want to give answers and I want to study this out. But I'm going to ask you this, these questions. What do you believe? What have you been taught? What view do you lean on and why? I, I want to hear these. I want, I want you to come back to me. Because never does Jesus say, I'm coming back right there. And it would be great. But the, the Bible describes this as a mystery. There's so many things that we discover as we read through God's word. And this takes study. So I'm going to hit on the, these first two. And I'm going to give you some, uh, just some explanation. And I want to give you some uh, explanation as to why people believe these things. So the post-tribulation view, let's start with that one. And that is the fact that some people believe that Christians are going to go through the seven years of tribulation. And he said, that's crazy. Let me explain this to you. Why do people believe this view? Number one, because of the Trump mention at the end of the tribulation period. Now, what will happen at the end? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the arch, uh, archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, this does describe the rapture, but those that believe in the post-tribulation period theory believe that at the end of it, when we're done, we've, we've suffered all the way through that, then it comes to the point where God calls us up, we're changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye, and then we come back as the army in the second coming. And they kind of take the rapture and the second coming of God, and they put that together as one event at the end of it. And they say those, these things that it's talking about is describing that. But the question comes in, and where this gets really debated is, what is the trump? What is that last trump that it's talking about? Because 1 Corinthians 15, 52 describes it as the last trump. In the moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise, be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So this describes it, it gives that definition or that description as the last trump. So all of a sudden, if the Bible says at the end of the battle of Armageddon that he comes into the world with this trumpet of this blast 
this declaration of war. And if that's the last trump, then that means right there that the Bible is describing that. Let me explain this too. And I'm, I'm, we're talking about post-tribulation, the fact that God comes back at the end. And this is a view that people have. And I'm not trying to convince you of this. I'm trying to show you what the Bible says that, that, that confuses a lot of people and say, aha, it's in there. Or maybe somebody come up to you and says, let me show you a verse. Now, what do you think? Oh, what are you going to do with that one? How are you going to explain that one? Here's another one. Jesus is teaching and explaining the end. And listen how he says it in Matthew 24, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days. So you, you see what he's saying. The sun shall be darkened, which we have that description in Revelation, and the moon shall not give her light. Again, darkness is upon the earth. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he shall send his angels with great sound of trumpets. So right there, post-tribulation, people will sit there and say, See, I'm explaining that right now. What does it say? After the tribulation of those days, then we'll look up and see Jesus Christ in the clouds, and then the trump will sound, and that, and that happens at the end of this. And this is one of the primary passages that people use to support this post-tribulation view. And the idea here is, is what they're saying is that all of our, our Christians are going to suffer through all that time. And then God's going to pull us out in victory at the end. And we'll be part of the victory that happens at the Battle of Armageddon. Another point that supports this view is the second thing is saints are mentioned in the book of Revelation. They're mentioned not only in the book of Revelation, they're mentioned during the tribulation period. And people look at that and say, see, they're right there. How in the world can you say that? And there's a lot that happens to the saints during the tribulation period. So if you look back on prophecy in Daniel 7, verse 21, it says, And beheld, I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. And the horn that it's talking about is the Antichrist. And so all the way back in the book of Daniel, they're, they're prophesying what's going to happen in the book of Revelation. And the debate is over this is the word saints. Because 50 times in the New Testament, saints is referencing the church or God's people. Of course it is. And so you sit there and say, why would it be referencing anything else with that? And this would lead us to believe that the church is present during the tribulation period. Revelation 13, 7 says, referencing Satan, and says that was given unto Satan, was given unto him to make war with the saints. And people say, ah, so Christians aren't going to be during the tribulation period. It's right there. Look, at it's good. Satan's going to make war with the saints. It's right there in that passage. And the big question comes in, why are saints mentioned in Revelation during the tribulation period if God calls them out? And that's a big view of this. So these are some arguments, and, and we're, going to, we're going to come back to these. I'm just explaining that there is Bible that people will say, I believe that we're going to go through this. And, and I'm just skimming the surface with this. And that's why right now, if you say, hey, what about you're not touching this? I want to hear whatever you're thinking. I, I want you to comment. I want you to send me an email. I want you to send me a text or a message or whatever and say, what about this? And we might cover it already, what we're talking about. Let's hit the mid-tribulation. Not as popular of a view, but some people think we're going to go through perilous, difficult times for three and a half years. And then God's going to call us out. And then the, then the rough stuff's going to happen after that. This is also based on the study of the word of the last trump. See, let's go back to that one verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 50, 52. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, 
You say, wait a minute, now here's the debate. And this, is, this kind of explains how things can get so tricky uh, uh, of taking one word and being confused with it. See, in the book of Revelation, there is a series of seven trumpet judgments that happen. Seven times that the angels are called up and it's symbolic, kind of demonstrating the announcements of the next judgment that's being poured on the earth. And these, these angels blow this trumpet and then something happens on the earth announcing this wrath of God being poured on man. And so at the end of the seven trumpet judgments that happen, guess where it lands? It lands right at the three and a half years. So people will sit there and say, when the Bible describes the seven trumpet judgments, and then there's a last trumpet, that last trumpet must mean that when those trumpets are done and when those things are happening upon the earth, then God calls us out. Revelation 8, 6 is where we see this. And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves the sound. So that's at the beginning of this. And so we see this happening. So in verse Revelation eleven fifteen, and the seventh angel sounded, and there was a great voice in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And so this declaration is, and people go right to that passage and say, it's right there. That's it. God said, I'm coming back at the last trumpet. There are seven trumpets. The last of the seven happened. And all of a sudden we have this declaration. And then from there, that makes sense. Then when people say, I don't think God would put us through that tribulation period. Well, if the hardest part of the tribulation period comes in the last three and a half years, then that would make sense. And the fact that the great tribulation period happens after the saints of God are called out in the middle of this. So here's a couple of things to consider as we're looking at these two views. Number one, how they both use the word trumpet or trump as their main argument. See, trumpets have been in the Bible all the way from the beginning, and they symbolize a lot of different things. If you talk about Gideon and different parts of war, you talk about how it was, there would be a trumpet to call people together. There'd be a trumpet to send people out to war. There'd be a trumpet to sound to call people out of war. There's all these trumpets used because that was part of just war and part of the Jewish society. Trumpets are used throughout the book of Revelation as well. And so when the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, for how God will descend from there and with the trump of God, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, when he uses that other verse, and it talked about at the last trumpet. And then we see it again in Revelation eleven fifteen. Uh, when, when it talks about the, 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 the seventh angel sounded and where there was a voice of, uh, in heaven and we have these things, these are not all the same trumpet. It's, if you notice that it's not called the trump of God. When the Bible says about the revelation, things that are going to happen, it says the angel sounded the trumpet and it was the last of the things, but it wasn't called the last trumpet. So we're assigning a name to that that was never given to it. The Bible says the trump of God will sound. And then all of a sudden we read some of these things and we say, that is it. And so we've got to understand that they are different. One is announcing judgment. It's a totally different kind of trumpet that's going to be sounding. And the other one announces victory. God's celebrating. We sing songs in church, celebrating the trump of God, looking for it. We're waiting for that glorious appearing and and God calling us home in those things. So we've got to understand that they mean different things. And that's important for us to grasp and, and, and understand with this, uh, of assigning things. And so when we read about the last trumpet of God, that is the last thing that happens in the Christian's life. That finish line, if you will, the, the end of the church age, the, the glorious appearing. 
And so when it comes to the church age, it is finished out with the last trump. And so sometimes we can draw conclusions by reading seven judgments of the trumpet and say, "Uh uh-huh, it's there. Or the fact that God says that he's coming back with the trumpet and we associate that with the last trumpet and it's not. We will explain more of that later as we go through because just saying it's not going to make sense. But when we start putting in a timeline and we point it out, it will make more sense. But the other thing that I wanted to point out about these first two views is understanding the saints mentioned during the tribulation period. You see, after God calls the Christians out, the Bible says that there's going to be a, almost a, like a revival that happens among the Jewish people. The Bible mentions 144,000 Jews that will rise up. The Bible mentions also in the book of Revelation about the prophets, two prophets will come and preach for all these days and then they'll be killed and then God's going to raise them up. And during that time, they're going to be declaring truth and people are going to be saved and come to know Christ. And I know that brings, opens up a lot of other questions that we might have to get into later. But I can tell you this, that during that time, saints are mentioned of those that come to a knowledge of the truth, especially when it comes to the Jewish people. And that's a deep subject that we could get into in another time. But know this, there are saints during the tribulation period. But what is not mentioned during the tribulation period is the church. The church is not mentioned during the tribulation period. So in Revelation 1, 2, and 3, you have church, church, church all the way through. And then once we hit the tribulation period, God pulls out the word church completely. And he puts in saints because there are believers. But that dispensation of what God did during that time is not changed. We'll cover a lot of that next week as well. That leads us to our closing. Because I'm not going to get into the pre-tribulation period view. I don't want to simply explain my perspective from being biased. Because I can tell you right now, it would be easy for me to say, Aha, I believe that. I am confident that's how God's going to come back and when God's going to come back. And because of that, I view it for, for, through a certain lens of uh, being biased uh, towards that view. So I, I wanted to give you those other things. But I also want to prove hardcore why we can have confidence as Christians of knowing that we're not going through the tribulation period. But I also want to know from your heart and mind why. See, where the question is, why Christians will go, why do we think Christians will go through? And I want to give it to you like this, why Christians will not go through the tribulation period. I want to give you that. And I'm not just going to give you one reason or two reasons or five reasons We're going to go through reason after reason after principle after principle of what the Bible says. And we're going to connect all these dots and we're going to dump the puzzle out. And then we're going to go, oh, oh, that makes sense. And that goes here. And we're going to put all these pieces together. So this is how I'm going to close this out tonight. What is your view? Have you thought about this? Think about this. If we just read these things, and I know we didn't even get into them, has it stirred you up to understand that man, God has made it very clear that judgment is coming, regardless of where you are. You could say, I'm pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. That's not what I'm asking right now. The bigger question, are you ready? Have you studied the Bible to know that every point of wherever you're at believes that tribulation is coming? Seven years of judgment is coming, whether you believe it or like it or not. It's happening. But we have a chance for Christians to know it and be stirred up, And for those that don't know Jesus Christ, God is literally putting the warning sounds out right now, just warning people. The week before last, I was at a store 
we were picking up stuff on a trailer and bringing it. We bought carpet for our house, and me and Jordan are bringing it outside. And as we were coming outside, we heard tornado signals. They were loud. I mean, super loud. And it wasn't Wednesday at noon, so we know that something was going on. And we got alerts on our phone, and both of us looked down, and our cell phones buzzed. And it was both of our cell phones said at the same time, tornado warning, take shelter right now. I hate to tell you this, but I'm just going to be honest. We got in the truck, and we drove home. I didn't seek shelter. I wasn't scared. I was looking out the window at the clouds. I was out of curiosity. But it wasn't a thing of me. It didn't stir me up. I've heard it so many times. I've been around it, so then it didn't even affect me. And I think sometimes it, that we're the same way. I've heard that, and that's not a big deal. And oh my goodness, here we go again in end time what? And we come very calloused. And I just want to warn you that that's what the Bible warned us against because that's what's going to happen before God comes back.